Let's see. David says hello. Uh, Kate says howdy. Uh, Cambria says your apps saved me from teaching CTR 5J. Oh, you big time. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. It's been a long time since I've had any apps out. So uh, there were times, for those of you who don't know, just as I first got into talk radio and I was learning tech, I published... Uh, a bunch of apps. They were all kind of LDS focused. And I had like LDS Hangman and all of these other games. And I took a lot of existing games and I just slanted them towards uh, LDS subject matter. And it was often that I would be sitting in church and I would see somebody playing <laughs> one of my games. And I didn't know how I felt about that you know, sitting in church and and uh, and playing the games. Uh, let's see, uh, is it Inano, Inano, uh, 2054, one day I'll try to be on text message level friendship with you to heed your text message requests. Well, we can get there. We can certainly develop up to that point for sure. I just don't know why YouTube is not working tonight. It could be an issue with, uh, the provider that I'm using. Uh, but there's a couple that aren't working. But uh, most of our most of our followers come from Facebook. We do have quite a few on YouTube, so that frustrates me a little bit. Let me check. Oh, now it says that Twitter is streaming, and it says YouTube is streaming. So maybe we're there. Maybe it just took a little bit of time. Uh, all right. So we'll we'll start over. Um, uh, in, uh, Inano says I'll move back over to Facebook. Jake joining us, saying YouTube is working. Jake, how you doing? Jake out in Tooele. Uh Jake, I was uh, glad to see you. We were having an issue with the texting and uh, with the comments, and I'm not sure what that is. Um, but it looks like everybody's on board now. So thank you for your patience. Um, I just want to tell you kind of what I'm doing right now or what my plan is for the podcast and for this channel. And some of you have already seen it, but now that I'm not running for Congress again, um, and I suddenly have some more time on my hands, not a lot more, but because uh, I do have a day job and I do still have to pay the bills. Um, I have been putting a lot of time and effort into providing daily content on important issues of the day. So my goal, and I've met this goal for the last two and a half weeks or so, is to post at least one video slash podcast every single weekday. And I've managed to do that. So if you go to my YouTube channel, if you go to Facebook, you will see that I have posted videos about uh, the economy, about inflation, about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, about the midterm elections, about Trump running for office again. Uh, so you'll see that I've been trying to keep up to date on all of those things. I did one last night on whether or not Democrats are a godless people. I'd really like you to go back and take a look at that one. So my plan is to release at least one of these every weekday. And then on days when there's news and things happening that need immediate commentary, because the other ones I have to work on and produce over time, then on the days when we need immediate commentary, I'll either come on live or I'll pre-record a video that day. So that is the initial plan. And then um, I will plan on doing these lives where you and I can chat. The other ones are pre-recorded. And I'll do these on Tuesdays and Thursday nights again. And we'll do it at 9.30. That works best for me. I know it's late for a lot of you, um, but that's the best time that works for me right now. I'd like to move it up a little bit more, maybe around 8 o'clock uh, if I can. But right now, uh, 9.30, Tuesdays and Thursday nights is where it's going to be. And 
it's just going to be a uh, free form on uh, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. We are going to constantly go down the rabbit hole. So we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about what's on my mind. Uh, David says, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is concerning. Uh, Jake says also the YouTube feed is about three quarter seconds behind Facebook and Twitter is about 1.5 seconds behind, uh, Facebook. Wow. So there you go. Checking out all of, all of the feeds. Thank you, Jake. Um, I, I'll start with this. Um, last night I wanted to post this video because of something that has been concerning to me. It, it's this. I have been going after the right Republicans a lot lately. Well, let's say not lately, for the last two years or the last three years. Okay, the last four years. <laughs> and uh, you'll have to excuse me. I've got a, I've still got a cough. It sounds like I'm a smoker today, um, but I've got this residual cough. So when I laugh, I'm, I cough. And it's because while I am still, I still consider myself to be on the conservative side of the aisle, and I agree with several of the platforms of the Republican Party, I just think that party leadership and party representation has lost their minds. They don't know how to deal with Trump. They don't remember how to fight for issues. They don't remember how to use facts and ideas and solutions. All they know how to do is attack and it's become vicious. And, and I'm not here to suggest that that's not happening on the left, but it, the way that it is happening on the right to me is it feels uh, disconnected from absolute reality. And uh, I just, uh, it, it really just... It breaks my heart. I'll just be honest with you. It breaks my heart. And, the, and they've decided to use the most obscene, toxic tactics. And one of the ones that I keep hearing over and over again, and I heard this um, when I ran against uh, Burgess Owens in the primary, the first time I ran for Congress, in the debate, and I heard him say this in other places, that Democrats are a godless people. And I've heard Marjorie Taylor Greene say that Democrats are a godless people. I've heard people more mainstream say that Democrats are a godless people. And there seems to be this mentality that only Republicans are religious and that only Republicans are Christian. And this has become a, a, a source of an attack, right? support me, support Republicans because we're Christians and they're not. And the other thing I hear all the time is that Democrats want to destroy this country. And I've just been sitting there and this has been sticking in my craw for a long time because I hate this tactic. And so I, and I know for a fact that the majority of Democrats are Christian. And and there is a rich, long history of Christianity on the left. But people are like, oh yeah, they're godless. Oh yeah, you know, we, we're righteous. And, and, and that's how they want the political battle to be seen. Not as a battle of ideas in the arena of ideas, because in that battle, they're not so sure of themselves. If they were, they'd be presenting ideas and solutions. They don't want it to be a battle of ideas, uh, you know, fighting to change hearts and minds. They want it to be a battle of good and evil. And you see this on both sides, because if it's a battle for good and evil, then you don't have to have good solutions. You don't have to change hearts and minds. You just have to convince people that the other side is evil, right? Just that simple. Just that simple. So if you can convince uh, everybody on the right that the left is godless and they want to destroy this country, then your work is done, right? I mean, your work is done. 
and and then it it doesn't become a matter of uh, using legislative powers to uh, overcome them, you know, uh, changing laws in legislative halls. Then it comes to what Marjorie Taylor Greene said the other day, and that is that if her and Steve Bannon were in charge of January 6th, they would have won and they would have brought real weapons and guns. This is a sitting congressman who says this, and she is convinced that the left is godless and wants to destroy this country. And, (coughs) excuse me. Need a little swig here. What is crazy to me about this is that these are people who who are using these tactics. They're doing it in the name of Christianity. They're holding up a Christian flag and saying, we are Christians and we want this country to be Christian and to win their political uh, desires or power, they're attacking Christians. They're bearing false witness against Christians. And so I went and looked it up. I it was a uh, and you can see it in in the uh, podcast last night. And by the way, I use podcast to refer to to the videos and to the audio. Everything gets released video-wise, but you can also listen to the audio if you follow my podcast. The JMAC podcast is available on Apple and Google and and everywhere else. Um, and that gets downloaded first. That comes out earlier in the day. Um, but I, I said, okay, I'll look it up. And I found a Pew Research study. Uh, what percentage? Uh, and I would love your help on this. If you haven't seen the video uh, from last night. I would love your help now that you're texting me. I, w- I would love to say, or I would love for you to answer the question, what percentage of Republicans do you think are Christian? And then what percentage of Democrats do you think are Christian? Just put that in the comments. I'd love to, I'd love to get a feel um, for what you think. Um, Heather Larson said, who said this, excuse me, I've heard this multiple times from, uh, people on, in, in all different levels of the Republican party. And I think one of the reasons that they, they they say godless. And one of the times it comes up is on the abortion debate. And so they believe that if you, if you support pro-choice, then you're godless and uh, I don't recall that distinction being made um, by Christ or anywhere in Scripture. If I'm missing it, let me know. Um, but what do you think? Uh, what percentage of Republicans are Christian? What percentage of Democrats are Christian? I'm, I'm curious um, to, uh, to find out. Chris Larson. Chris, how are you doing? It's been so long since we have talked. Um, uh, Chris says, Heather Larson, I wish I remember it was a daughter of a prominent Christian leader. Oh, oh, Heather's asking about the quote from Chris. Sorry. I got to keep my my uh, comments in line here. Uh, Chris said, my favorite quote recently was, Jesus wouldn't be welcome in most conservative churches today. Heather says, who said this? Chris says, I wish I remember it was a daughter of a prominent Christian. Well, Christ himself said uh, that when he would come, that few would recognize him. And and I don't want to really make this a religious debate. Um, it just It just strikes me that in the name of Christianity, you would attack Christians and you would do it for your own political gain. I That just, to me, is a microcosm of everything going on right now. Um, Chris Dell says, are we talking about self-described Christians or followers of Christ? So uh, we're talking about 
members of a Christian religion. So thanks for asking for a clarification, Chris. So what percentage of Republicans said they are members of a Christian religion? And then what percentage of of Democrats said they are members of a Christian religion? And while you're typing that in, I think I can go back and find it um, here. Um, I should have had it ready, but... You know how it is when I do live chats. I just come in and uh, we just play it by year. Let's see. And there is a difference, by the way, between Republicans and and Christians. Uh, let's see here. There's one. Let me see the other. Give me a second. Um, Let's see here. Oh, this will work right here. Did anybody put in, um, Janelle says, hey, Janelle, how's it going? Janelle says, my guess the numbers are similar. They are not similar. I will tell you right now, more Republicans are Christian or claim Christianity than Democrats. Um, They are not similar. Um, Let me see here. There we go. Okay. All right. I should be able to show this to you now. Now, remember, I stood next to Burgess Owens in a congressional debate, and he called Democrats godless. Okay? And I have heard this from many people on the Republican side of the aisle. And I would love to see a poll that just asks Republicans if they believe that Christian, how many Republicans believe that that Democrats are godless or that are Christian? I think the number would be very high because this is messaging that has been used quite a bit on the right. Um, so who do you want to see first? Let's, uh, let's see if I'm set up right here. Uh, We are almost set up right. Let me see if I can fix that little box there for a second. Um, Let's see here. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. So this is, and I will admit this is a, this is a 2014 uh, survey. Um, I'm guessing the numbers are lower for both parties. And I don't know if you guys can see that. Let me see if I can get a little bit larger, maybe. Okay. So this is Republicans and Republican leaners. Whoa, do the right screen. Okay. So what we've got here is overall the number of Republicans who claim to be Christian is 82%. And you can see the breakdown there. Evangelical Protestant, mainline Protestant, historically black Protestant. So you've got um, Catholic, 21%, Mormon, 3%, Evangelical Protestant, 38%. And then you've got uh, non-Christian faiths, 3%. I I remember so many people worried about, uh, you know, Muslims after the terrorist attacks, they're less than 1%. Um, Unaffiliated, and my bet is that number has gone up considerably since this survey, uh, 14%. Okay, so this is uh, Republicans. So any guesses on, uh, on Democrats? It is lower. It is lower. But 
would you say that this is a a godless people? Here it is, Democrats and Democrat leaners. Here we go. The number is 63%. Uh, 16% evangelical Protestant, 13% mainline Protestant, 12% historically black Protestant, 21% Catholic, 1% Mormon, um, and then non-Christian faiths, 8%. Unaffiliated religious, 28%. So I find that to be very interesting. David says, it reminds me of what the Pharisees did during Jesus' time, judging everyone based only on their understanding. David guessed 65% for Dems. Good guess. Uh, Chris says, it's amazing that self-proclaimed Christians would use the vile language and hate of the current GOP the hypocrisy in politics and day-to-day -day dialogue is maddening in both parties. I agree with you. And Janelle says 63% is still very high. I don't know how you could say that 63% are, how you could say that that's a godless people. I don't, how do you do that? How do you do that? Um... You do it because you don't care about the truth. You do that because you want um, you want to win. And you obviously don't feel like you can win in the arena of ideas anymore. And so you have to make the other side the enemy. Now, again, the left does this. The left wants you to believe that Republicans are they want to take from the poor and they all want to just give money to the wealthy. There are st absolute stereotypes that the left uses against the right. I guess this one just sticks in my cross so much because it's Christians attacking Christians for political gain. And that, that really, really bothers me. And one of the other thing that, that bothers me is, and I hear it all the time, and maybe you can help me with it. Um, they say that Democrats want to destroy this country. And I'm sitting there going, why would they want to? You really think Democrats are sitting around going, we're going to destroy this country that we live in. No, I think what they're saying is Democrat policies will destroy this country. Not that Democrats want to destroy this country, but I think they really believe that Democrats want to destroy this country. And now, here's a, a perfect opportunity to talk about policy, to talk about what it is that Democrats want and how it will negatively affect the country. Because what's really interesting to me is if you, going back to the uh, that Democrats are a godless people. What's interesting to me is that so much of the Democrat platform seems to resemble Christianity more than the Republican platform, doesn't it? I mean, isn't it, isn't it Democrats who want to provide services to the poor? Isn't it Democrats who want to uh, provide education to everybody to make sure that everyone is taken care of, that there's no food insecurity, that there is it, uh, isn't it, couldn't it really be said that the policies of Democrats match more the message of Christ? I mean, think about that for a minute. Which platform, by appearance, seems to mirror better the platform of Christ? And then the one that doesn't seem to mirror it is going to attack the other one as being godless. <laughs> it's just hilarious to me. Now, I... Uh, I uh, my, my problem with what the Democrats want is not in what they want to do, it's in how they want to do it. Uh, because I believe that we should 
in many ways try and take care of those in need. I believe that we should. Uh, it provides services to, I'm not somebody who just believes fend for yourself. I'm not a libertarian. I'm not somebody who believes that, but I don't believe it's the job of the federal government. So that's where I disagree with Democrats. If you want to do that on a state level, then fight for it on state level and do it on a state level. But I believe that those policies on a state level, that that is horrible policy. And I do believe, I don't believe that if Democrats suddenly had their way with everything, that it would destroy this country. We were told Barack Obama was going to destroy this country. And we were told Joe Biden was going to destroy this country. And uh, we're still surviving. I do think it can change the economics of this country. And uh, I do think that it can change the fabric of this country. But a change to more uh, social programs and things like that is not going to destroy this nation. It's just not. It'll make it different, but it's just not. Um, my feeling is that the federal government is the worst place to put anything of value. It's the worst possible place. It's like if you want to, if you want to make sure that nothing can be changed and nothing can get done, and it costs more than it would in any other place, then put it in the hands of the federal government. And that's why, that's where I disagree with Democrats, is that the way they want to institute this is at a federal level, and um, to me, that's not the way to do it. But I have a lot of respect for people who spend their time and energy thinking about how they can help the poor, how they can stop discrimination, how they can equalize opportunity. And for political gain, the right will use these as somehow you want to destroy this country when the reality is, isn't it kind of like we want to help people? Now, there's some some parts of this where, you know, people will say, well, they just want to buy votes for their own power. And I, I'm sure some of that exists. But, you know, I've worked with a lot of Democrats over the years. And the ones that I've worked with um, are pretty sincere in their desire to help people. Uh, I just think that they're misguided in how they want to do it. It needs to happen at a state level. Uh, the minute... <laughs> I don't know why anybody on this earth would want to federalize something. <laughs> I just don't. It's like, hey, I know how to fix something. Let's put it in the hands of Congress. Are you kidding me? It, it's just the worst thought process. And not only that, it's not constitutional. Most of the things they want to do are just against the Constitution. And so I go back to the 10th Amendment, Article 1, Section 8, and I say, look, you, you know, fight for these programs, but do it on a state level. This is not the role of the federal government. And anything that the federal government takes on, it just, it just gets worse and it becomes impossible to change. I mean, you look at uh, Obamacare, for example. Obamacare did some good, but it's also got a lot of problems. Now, are we ever going to be able to solve those problems? No, because Congress and the White House refuse to work together. Um, Social Security, Medicare, are we ever going to solve those problems? No, no, because they don't want to work together. They want to use those as wedge issues. So we're never going to solve these problems. This should be a perfect example to you. So when somebody says, hey, let's put it in the hands of the feds, we should all go, hell no. That is the worst idea. First, it's not constitutional. And second, it will be run horribly. And third, you will lose all say when it comes to that issue. And this is this is something that I shared on the campaign trail that it, I think that we miss. And that is one of the beauties of our country is that when you have 
states, individual states uh, that have their own sovereign authority. And in fact, one of the videos that I released or it will be coming out is whether or not the electoral college is a threat to democracy. One of the beauties of a limited federal government and sovereign states who have given up a little bit of authority to the to the federal government is that you and I have some say in what's going on in our state. You and I can have an impact in what's going on in our state. So it's not that hard in Utah. You wanna, you wanna get some petitions going and even better if it's local, if it's citywide, if it's countywide. The more local, the better. Uh, because then you and I can do something about it. The minute you federalize it is the minute representation on that issue goes away. Because now, what do we here in Utah, what ability do we have to effectuate change on that thing? We lose it. We lose it. So we shouldn't have any desire to send anything to the feds. So I don't think, to wrap this little segment up, I don't think the Democrats are godless. I think we've proven otherwise. And I don't think they want to destroy this country. I do think they want to do good things, but I think they're misguided in how they want to do them. And I think they want to ignore the Constitution in many ways when they do them. Um, I'm more than happy to have these conversations on a state level, but not a federal level. To me, that's just uh, that's just uh, madness. Uh, let's see here. Let's get back to some of your comments. Um, Chris says, liberal Christian values sometimes are contradictory to conservative values, leading to the ungodly comments. There is a lack of empathy and understanding. Boy, Chris, you are so right. I mean... Uh, not just a lack of, there is no empathy in politics today. None. None. By design. The, uh, the humanity is completely taken out of the, the equation. We talk about groups in numbers and by classification. We never talk about the individual humanity. Uh, we never take the time to have empathy. I mean, you look at the, the immigration issue. There's no empathy, uh, for people who are coming to this country who are starving to death, who are coming from a third world country. There's this, uh, this sense for me of, of Americans feeling like, uh, what we have, you can't have. And I've earned it somehow as if you earned it and you really didn't. You were born into it. You've earned it if you served in the military. I think you've earned it if you, uh, if you serve your country in some way. But I'll be, I'll be brutally honest with you. Uh, what have I done to earn it? Well, I go to work. You know, I guess I've run for Congress a couple of times, but for the most part, the reason I have the the benefits and the gifts and the rights that come with American citizenship is uh, by the luck of the draw, I was born here. And yet people act like somehow this is ours and they're coming to take it and we have to stop them instead of saying, wow, uh, what would I do if I was born in a third world country, starving to death, children starving to death, and I knew that there was someplace I could go where there was at least a chance that I could change that? Which one of us can say we wouldn't have been on that same journey? Now, I'm not saying that we should open up the borders and let everybody in, but I am saying let's at least try and have some understanding and let's try and have humanity involved in our decision making there's no there's no humanity i mean chris is exactly right there's no empathy there's no no uh no humanity jake says an observation seems like there are a couple of extreme voices in each party with bullhorns this is very true 
I doubt their views are shared by the rest of the party, but the party's silence among the extremist shenanigans is deafening. Such a great point, Jake. Um, I did a podcast uh, just the other day about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and um, it's you can see it on YouTube. And yeah, I really hate talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't want to be a voice for her. But when she came out and said that if she was in charge of January 6th, her and Steve Bannon would have won and they would have brought guns, there should have been such a massive backlash from the Republican Party. It should have been deafening how loud it was. And when former President Trump suggested that the articles of the Constitution should be thrown out, the backlash from Republican leadership should have been deafening. But it wasn't. If anything, it was a small little squeak from a few people. And the unfortunate thing is, like, like Jake is saying, this is not the representative feeling of everybody. It's not the feeling of most of the Republicans that I know personally. But when you're afraid to speak out against it, then you become complicit in the thing. You become judged by it. And this is what is so damaging, is that, of course, the media is going to cover the outrage, right? They're, they're going to cover Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is one of the biggest microphones in the world right now. And so they're going to cover her. And if Republicans refuse to say, hey, that's not us. Hey, that's not acceptable. You need to apologize. You need to stop speaking like that. And her constituents need to say that is uh, you are actually fomenting violence. Then if that doesn't happen, then all the people that are in the middle who are wondering, you know, they're kind of looking, it's like a tennis match and they're, they're watching the left and they're watching the right and they're trying to decide who do we support. We don't have a party of our own, so we've got to choose over here on the right or on the left. All the people who might be considering conservatism or things on the right, what they're hearing are these loud, obnoxious and I think um, disconnected from reality type voices, and they're judging the whole party that way. And the fact that the parties don't respond to that is going to kill them. It's going to kill the party. I think that the Republican Party is uh, screaming towards destruction right now. And there may only have been one thing that saved them. One thing. And that is the lack of a red wave in the midterm elections. I think that that woke up enough people in the party. It empowered enough people in the party to say... We don't have to follow this insanity. We don't have to do it because when we did, it hurt the party. If there was a red wave, I mean, can you imagine if all of these uh, election deniers, all of these QAnon supporters, all of these people were now wandering the halls of Congress and how empowered they would be? I mean, it would just be, it would just be crazy. And so, you know, I never, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I never thought that I would be saying, thank goodness there was not a red wave because I grew up conservative Republican. And here I am on election night going, please don't be a red wave. Please don't be a red wave. Because I knew all these people that would have been elected were 
um, out of their minds. And so I, I went to bed like, whew, you know, maybe now uh, some of these people in the Republican Party can grow a backbone and turn away from the madness. Maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there was a recent poll that uh, right now, if the election were to happen today, uh, DeSantis would be, uh, he would win, uh, then Liz Cheney, and then Donald Trump. He was in third place. Um, the problem was, and that was for primary uh, people voting in a primary. I don't believe that for a single second. The the one other message that I got out of the primary was that Trump still has tremendous primary support. And we've talked about this before. I think Trump still has a tremendous chance to win the Republican nomination because the people that he chose in the primaries, they won. They were great primary candidates. They were horrific general election candidates. And you know what? That's what Donald Trump is. He's a great primary candidate. He's a horrific general election candidate. And he will not win a general election again. And he will claim, if he wins the, the nomination, he will claim election fraud. He continues to do that. So um, I never thought that I would be cheering for his, because in any other world, DeSantis would seem extreme to me. <laughs> but compared to Trump, I'm like, hey, this guy's kind of middle of the road. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. It is so bizarre, this world we live in. So bizarre. Uh, I, I'll take any other comments that you have on that. One of the other things that was on my mind tonight. Oh, by the way, I found my Magic 8-Ball. So uh, that's good news. So uh, I should be able to predict, predict things more uh, accurately. Um, it was right here on my desk the whole time, just behind some stuff. Um, one of the other things that was on my mind tonight was a prediction that I made. Uh, I would say uh, maybe six months ago. And it was a prediction that the Republicans were setting themselves up for a massive failure. And they were setting up President Biden for a massive win. And we're now seeing that play out. And so I don't want to, I don't, I don't want this to be an I told you so, but I think that it's going to be an I told you so. If things continue to play out the way they were. Uh, Chris Stewart the uh, congressman who I ran against, and I use the word run against very loosely because I did not fare well in the election at all. To those of you who supported me, thank you. I feel like we, we spread a valuable message uh, across the state for a year. Um, but when it came to votes, uh, we were dominated. But one of the things that if you go back and look at his Twitter, constantly raged against President Biden over oil prices and inflation. And I kept saying that Joe Biden had nothing to do with oil prices and he had nothing to do with inflation. And in fact, anybody who knew anything about economics knew that post-pandemic, we would have inflation and we would have high energy prices. That it was obvious and predictable because when, and it's all supply and demand. That's all it is. It's just the simple rules of supply and demand that suddenly the world shut down. And so demand dried up. And so when demand dried up, people stopped producing. They stopped refining. I mean, think about it. We were, we were not in our cars. We weren't going places. The demand for gasoline completely disappeared. So we stopped refining at the capacities that we needed to. 
we stopped producing products. And this happened globally. And we came out of, of COVID so quickly that demand uh, spiked, I think it was 30 to 50% higher than pre-pandemic levels for gasoline, for food, for lumber, for computer chips, for cars, for everything. I mean, we had been we had been cooped up for two years, dying to get out. And so suddenly demand went crazy with no supply. And so now the supply all starts coming, right? It gets manufactured. Now the supply is coming to this country, but it gets stuck at the docks. Remember, we talked about that. We didn't have the staff to unload all of the stuff. So now you've got boats sitting out in the water for months waiting to unload. And that means that the shipping containers that are empty, that are supposed to go back and pick up new products, those aren't coming in. And so what happens? Instant inflation. Supply and demand, instant inflation. And again, this is, it's, it's just so obvious. And people wanted you to believe that Joe Biden had made a decision on day one that impacted oil prices. It wasn't true. And that somehow he had done something to increase inflation. When the reality is there was something that the government had done to increase inflation. And it was all done by the Republicans during COVID. And I supported all of it. Because we borrowed a bunch of money during the pandemic and we sent out checks and we did loans to businesses and we, we infused a lot of cash into the economy. And I knew that that was going to create inflation. Everybody knew that that was going to create inflation. But it was either that or watch the country dive into a, de a depression. So you have all this infusion of borrowed money coming into the economy, and then you have incredibly high demand for fuel. We only have so much refining capacity. Then you have incredible demand for all of these other products, and it's going to spike. And Republicans said, this is how we're going to win the midterms. We're going to blame Democrats for all of this. And I said, you better be careful because this stuff, the economy, the supply chain, uh, energy prices, it's all going to go back down. It may not go back down to pre-COVID levels, but as the supply chain fixes itself and as refining capacity increases, it's going to go down, but they tried to use it to win the midterms. And what they did is they set President Biden up for a victory lap that he's already starting to take because supply chains are catching up. We're going into winter now, so fuel demand is down. We just filled up our, our Sequoia and it was up to, it almost cost us a hundred dollars at one time to fill it up. Cost us 56 bucks to fill it up tonight. Fuel prices are coming down. Guess who's taking credit for that? <laughs> President Biden. And guess who set him up to be able to take credit for that? The Republicans. Now, either they didn't know what really caused inflation or they didn't care and they wanted to use it for uh, political gain. But there, there's an obvious test um, that I've used many times to analyze some of the claims uh, that have been made over the past few years. Because in the past few years, everybody's become an epidemiologist. Everybody's become an economist. Everybody's become an election expert. And the reality is they're just all Googling, right? Uh, 
And real epidemiologists are like, <laughs> you know, I actually, I actually went to school for a long time and I'm still paying off my student loans. And you say you did the research because you Googled something. I mean, they're just like, why did I, why did I go into debt and spend all this money on student loans? Um, but the point is that like when people are like, COVID is a conspiracy to take down Trump. Well, I'm like, okay, let's, if that's true, then why is the UK shutting down because of COVID? Why is Iran shutting down because of COVID? Are you telling me that the entire global community has engaged in this conspiracy to either feed uh, the uh, vaccine industry or to take down Donald Trump? You're telling me that every epidemiologist, every doctor is in on this? So I did the same thing with inflation. If Joe Biden... If he's the cause of inflation, then why did the UK have 40% inflation when we had, I think, 11%? Why did just about every industrialized nation on the planet experience high energy prices and high inflation? I'll tell you why. Because of a global pandemic. That's why. That's it. But the Republicans tried to use it for political gain and... You know, there's still a there's still a chance that we take a downturn. Um, I have huge concerns about the housing market right now. That could turn everything south. Um, uh, but there's also a really good chance that inflation continues to drop. Um, I think it's down to seven percent. Fuel prices will continue to drop because a demand is down. Refining capacity is up. And when it comes time for Democrats to run for the White House again, I don't know if it will be Joe Biden or not, but the Democrats will be in a perfect position. And it will be the Republicans who gave them the springboard to do it. When the reality is that uh, the president of the United States has very little ability to impact an economy. I think I think they have more ability to hurt the economy than they do to help the economy. And anybody who believes that uh, Donald Trump's economy was a creation of Donald Trump, I'm sorry, that's not reality. He did some things to help it move. But if you look at the trajectory, just just look at the trajectory of the economy from the Obama years all the way up through to Trump. Any president, and I mean any president, who was in office after President Obama would have experienced that economy. Any president. And it would have kept going for Trump if it wasn't for uh, for the pandemic. That's just because this country uh, and we, the people, we got back to work. We started spending again. We are the economy. And uh, so I just think it's... I, I think it's just a sad commentary watching these this political gamesmanship to try and convince Americans that this is uh, this is why we're in this mess because of Joe Biden. Yeah, that you're going to come back and regret that one. That's my prediction right now. Uh, so that's kind of what I had on my list. Uh, anything else going on, guys? It is going on out in the world. I've been trying to stay up with the news, but uh, you know I do have a day job, so. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, I, I, uh, I can go back. Let me just check something here. I can just tell you some of the videos that I've released in case you're wondering. And I do hope that you'll go to YouTube or to Facebook and that you'll follow. The links are right there that my handles are right there at the bottom of the screen. Um, but let me look at my schedule here. Um, okay, so tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock, 
I will release a video where that will tell you about a medical issue that I had two weeks ago where I thought I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die and was in the emergency room twice. And, uh, I'll just, I'll just cut to the chase so you don't worry about me. I was a hundred percent healthy. No, okay. I can't say hundred percent healthy. Not like Donald Trump, who says he's a picture of perfect health. The reasons why I thought I was going to die were not real, but I was experiencing every symptom of a heart attack and went to the emergency room twice. So that's tomorrow night. You can catch it on YouTube at six o'clock. Um, and then on Thursday night, uh, the video is entitled only low IQ people misunderstand Trump. And then on Friday night, these all come out at six o'clock. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, they all come out at 10 a.m. Um, and then on Friday night, I have uh, finally voter fraud has been found. Uh, it's a story of some voter fraud that was actually found. Um, so that's what's coming up uh, later this week. Um, I will do another live chat on Thursday night. So I'll be back on schedule for that Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Um, and just a quick look at what you uh, have missed if you haven't been on my YouTube or Facebook. Uh, yesterday I did uh, Trump is losing the 2024 race. Um, on, uh, on the 12th, I did our Democrats, a godless people. We talked about that tonight. Uh, I also did the GOP needs to call out Marjorie Taylor Greene before it's too late. And then I also did, and this one I, I would love your feedback on, uh, is the electoral college a threat to democracy? Um, and then one last week, uh, should robots be allowed to use lethal force? There's one city that actually passed, uh, a, a rule that says yes. And then they took it back. And also another one that a couple more that I would love for you to watch, uh, do attack ads really work? You'll see that and a disturbing trend that is destroying representation. This one is really important too. There are now more states than I think since 1947 that are completely controlled by one party or the other. And I think this is terrible for the country. So we're talking about states like ours where the, where both, both, uh, houses are the house and the Senate are controlled by Republicans and we have a Republican governor. There are now, I think it's 27 states that are that way and either for Democrat or for Republican. And I described to you why I think that that is so bad for representation and for our country and how we need to do everything we can to change it. Um, but with that, I don't see any other, any other questions. It's getting late. It's 1044. I still need to go and watch, uh, Curse of Oak Island. Um, <laughs> which, which by the way, I figured it out that Curse of Oak Island is probably only 15 minutes of new content every episode because they spend so much time retelling you the things that they've found before. And then when somebody finds like a coin or something, they show you their reaction. And then they're like, let's go show this coin to somebody else. And then they get their reaction. And then they're like, let's go show this coin to somebody else. And they get their reaction. So I get through Curse of Oak Island in about 15 minutes nowadays. It's like watching an NFL game. You just fast forward through the <laughs> between each play. Um, anyway, with that, everybody, thank you for joining me. I'm so glad to be back. Um, watch uh, my social media for the videos that we're producing every day. I've actually employed my son. He's going to be helping me cut up videos and 
we're kind of teaming up on this, and we hope to have some other really cool announcements uh, coming up here in the future. But with that, I think that that's all I have tonight, and uh, I wish you all well. I will catch you live on Thursday night, but be sure and check in every day on all of my social media channels. Uh, and you, if you don't want to go to different channels, you can go to jmcfarland.com and just see them all there. All right. Thanks for joining me. And everybody have, uh, have a wonderful night. I'll see you.